0: Okay, <clears throat> we're up to Daf Yud Tesamid Aleph. We're six lines into the page. Boy Rish Rishlogish has a kasha, so we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Is all uh, well, today is Yud. Again, Yud is yesterday's Daf. We were trying to figure out is Yud Kedushin or Nesuin. Now the question is, what we're going to talk about today is basically two aspects. One is how does Yud work? Is it Limafreya? Meaning again, you marry, you, you, you buy a slave. Then, two months in, you say to her, I'd like to marry you. So the question is, is it that the money that you gave originally is the Kest of Kadushan and your Lima Freya married from back then? Or is it, it's not that, it's that I'm being Moichel, you have to work for me, I'm allowing you to be free, and with the Hanov that you don't have to work for me, be me. Okay. So Yid works differently. So the question is, one of the aspects of Yid is that the master can do this for his son. All right, let's say the master is in his 60s and he has a son in his 30s and he wants to marry the son to the slave woman so he could say you are married to my son and then today's daf will actually talk about whether the woman has to be maskim could be she doesn't have to it could be she could be she doesn't um have the right to object it's a possibility okay fine we'll get to that the question is what if the son is under bar mitzvah Normally, a son under bar mitzvah, you can't. his kedushin is not a kadushin. The question is, over here where the father has the right to basically marry her off to the son, the master has the right to marry off to the master's son, does the master's son have to be bar mitzvah? This is already an out-of-the-box type of kadushin. Normally, kedushin does not work. You, a, a 10-year-old goes over to a girl and says, Are say, it's nothing, it's not bar mitzvah, it's not, it's not, das. The question is over here where it's being done by the master could be the master can do it even if the son's under bar mitzvah. So that's the question. You see, today's daaf has the lumbness in today's daaf is this is like Svarim to talk about this. The question is how do you look at Eud? Can you be done for the master's son if the master's son is under bar mitzvah? The Torah says that you have the right to marry her off to your son, which is in a unique thing because. That's not done normally. A father cannot just marry his son off, right? That's not a thing. So maybe perhaps the Torah is inclusive of even a kid under bar mitzvah. Or perhaps no. Benoy Ya today. The son has to be similar to the master. Mahu Godl, just like the master is above bar mitzvah, So the question is: can the son marry her if he's under bar mitzvah? So the Gemara says like this, Amrav Zera, Tashima. Ish, the Pasuk is talking about adultery. Okay, it's talking about right, you have a, a man lives with a married woman, they both get killed. Posit says, Ish, Pratla cotton That excludes a katan. So that means that if a eleven year old, the twelve year old lives with a married woman, there's no death penalty for the boy because he's on the bar mitzvah. Fine. Oh, so far so good. Asha Yinafhas, Ashis Ish, the Pasuk says that he lives with a married woman, Pratla Ashus katan. This excludes an ashes katan, which means that if a a woman is married to a katan, she doesn't there's no adultery. Why? Pratla Ashish Khatan, because Pashtus, because under Bar Mitzvah, you can't be married. Meaning, Ashish katan, the wife of a Khatan, does not get the death penalty. Why doesn't the wife of a Khatan get the death penalty? Pashtus, because he can't be married. So this is a proof that a son under Bar Mitzvah cannot do yehud. Because if the son can do Yiyud, then why aren't you getting the death penalty? The fact that Pratla Ashish Khatan, that if a Khatan lives with a marries a woman, that wife is not considered a married woman for adultery, so if an 11-year-old marries a woman, and then someone lives with a married woman, it's not adultery, why? Because it's not shayach marriage. Oh, so you see, and if you say that yid works on a katan, so how come there's no, uh, there's no chay of Misa? How come there's no uh, there's no adultery on that one? Oh, so it must be, this is the source. Again, what's the what's the source? We're trying to figure out, could you do ye or not a katan? So the source is, that if the wife of a katan, if you live with the wife of a katan, there's no adultery. Let me ask you a question. Why is there no adultery? Because it's not shaykh marriage. Oh, so you see that yud is not a possibility. Because if yud is a possibility, then you could have a katan get married. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. Yud is deraisa. Yud is Yeah, The says. So the question so if yud is possible on a katan, then how come Yud can't have adultery on his wife? It must be there's no adultery on a katan because it's not shaykh marriage. So the says, wait a minute. If you're telling me that it's not shaykh marriage, then why do you need a pasuk to tell you there's no death penalty? Right? There's a pasuk that says probably which means that if you live with a married woman who's married to a child under bar mitzvah, there's no death penalty. We thought there's no death penalty because it's not shaykh marriage. If it's not shaykh marriage, what do you need a pasuk for? Right? You know. You, you, you know what I mean? It's like again, okay, the conclusion is that if a cousin marries a woman and someone loses the married woman, there's no death penalty. So we thought, why is there no death penalty? Because it's not shaykh marriage. So you see, there's no yid by a cousin It's not shaykh marriage. If it's not shaykh marriage, we need a pasuk for it. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. Uh, we need a for it. The fact that you need a pasuk tells you that it is a marriage, but There's no death penalty. So this is the proof that there could be yid on a katan because the pasuk indicates that there's no death penalty, which means that there's a marriage. Because if there's no marriage, what do you need a pasuk for? It must be there's a marriage on a katan, but there's no death penalty for whatever reason. What's the scenario where there's marriage on a katan? And it must be yid. So the gemara says no. The answer is no. This Pasuk is not talking about Yid at all. And there's no indication either way. What is the Pasuk actually referring to? Yibam. What's the Halacha? The Halacha is obviously you have to do Yibam when the father, when the husband dies without children, the wife marries the brother. How old is the brother supposed to be? Bar Mitzvah. Let's say he's a 10-year-old and he actually performs Yibam. What's the Halacha? Yiyotza. It is a fulfillment of Yibam. And you're considered married but the Pasuk is telling you a Chiddush, that although you're considered married, if someone lives with her, there's no adultery. You're not going to get the death penalty. And that's a special Chiddush Akra. So it has nothing to do with yid at all. And we do not have a source of whether yid can be performed for the master's son when he's under bar mitzvah, because this Pasuk, which is referring to a marriage of a katan, is talking about yibum that above the age of nine, if a child does yibam, it is fulfilling the mitzvah of yibam, and you are considered married that you need to get, but Meizatam there's a gzeris there's a special chiddush that they're not going to get death penalty by, by someone living with her, and therefore it's not referring to you at all, so we do not have a source. So we're back to our question, which is if the master marries the maidservant off to his son to do yiyud, can the son be under bar mitzvah? So, Amr Bashi, I'm sorry uh, Mau, uh, Mai Havela, what is the conclusion? Satashima. Amra Eboy, a boy, Amra Viana, ein yud elo bit gogol. Stop. Okay, pretty clear? There's no yud unless the person is a gogol. Yud is the ground. Amavria who's a slave, she can marry the master or the master's son. So yud, so point is Ain yud elo bit gogol. Stop. Next line, a elamidas. There's no yield unless there's das. So I could actually read that as being one thought. There's no yield by a child, because a child doesn't have das doesn't have ideas. Or this could be two independent statements. So the question is, is this second statement a, an independent statement, or is it a clarification of the first statement? So the Gemara says, tarti is it two statements? The Gemariah says, no. kamer, it's actually one statement. Matam, Ein yud el bigadol. The halacha is, the only statement is, you cannot do yud on a child that's under bar mitzvah. The boy, the husband, cannot be under bar mitzvah. Why? Ein yud el midas. Because there's no yir unless the husband has das. That's the first explanation of this statement. Iba isema no. My midas, midas dida. Or a second statement is it's actually two statements. One statement is the husband has to be above bar mitzvah to do yir. Second, she has to be made aware of it. She has to be made aware. that The slave has to be made aware that she's being married. Now, according to Rashi, what that means is you cannot marry her against her will. Teisvis actually disagrees. Tysus actually feels that you could be done against the will. Now that's a very strange thing. What do you mean? Why, how could it be done against the will? The halacha is that a father is allowed to marry off the daughter against the daughter's will. That's as long as the father, because the assumption is the father has his daughter's uh, best interests in mind. That's obviously the assumption. The point is, if a father marries off the daughter and she's under bat mitzvah, or under 12 and a half to be more specific... Uh, you don't need her das as long as you have the father's das. It, it, it's still considered marriage, is, it has to be willingly. It's just over here, the willingly is the father, not the daughter. The point is, over here, for whatever reason, uh-huh. you is the exception. It needs the daughter's das. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't huh? But you at least have to tell her. You have to tell her. According to Rashi, tell her means consent. According to Tyson, tell her just tell but her. In this case, they're both the Correct. They're both don't. Correct, but you still have to. The, 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 the assumption is that the master's father is sort of doing manipulating the system, and he's an adult, and the mast and the, and daughter the daughter's, daughter's father. Right, but the chiddush of this is you still have to tell the daughter that she is getting married, when, <laughs> which like, yeah, she it, should it, probably know. No, it's daresa. This is a marriage. Mian is only in a rabbinic marriage. It's a rabbinic marriage. This is a biblical marriage because the father's doing it. Now, the, the point is over here, according to Rashi, it means she needs consent. According to Tesis, she doesn't need consent. She just has to be made aware. Let's go with Rashi. She needs consent. Okay, so this is unlike other ch- child marriages that the, the wife actually needs consent for this one. Okay, now the question is why? Okay, so the Gemara says, the Tani Abaya. The Paschal says, you choose to not do yid. Yid is from Lohidiyah, which means you have to tell her. That You have to tell the wife and have her consent. Now, the question is, why? So there's two, I can go with two approaches of why do you need the maidservant's consent for her to get married. Again, she's under bat mitzvah. So generally, a girl under bat mitzvah just gets married off by her father. It's not like they ask her. they Just the father who consents. So the, 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 you know, the assumption is that he has her best interest. Over here, she needs to consent, according to Rashi's. Two explanations. I'll throw both options at you. One, uh, the Torah says so. I don't know why, but the Torah says so. The other explanation is a much more, um, um, much more intellectual pursuit, and that is, how does yud work? Okay? And this is what we're going to talk about today. Two options of how it works. You buy a slave for $1,000. Okay, You pay the father $1,000. She is now your slave. She works for you. Fine. A year in, you're like, oh, I think we should get married. She's like, yeah, let's, let's get married. And then you say, am yuedesli, whatever, married. Good. You don't have to give her a penny. You don't have to give her a ring. So how does it work? Two explanations. Either the money that you gave to be payment as her slave, that's the money for Kiddushan. And by the way, in which case it's retroactive to the time of the purchase. Or, there, that's actually not how it works. The way it works is you tell the girl, when I marry you, you're not gonna be a slave anymore. She's like, that's sweet. He's like, that's that's that feels pretty good, that's a benefit, right? The benefit that you get of no longer being a slave for me, marry me with that with that pleasure, with that benefit. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. What's the difference between these two? First of all, whether it's retroactive or from this point, that's one difference. But secondly, a major difference is, who is accepting the marriage? If it's retroactive to the time of the money that was given by the time of the purchase, then the marriage is really going through the father as opposed to going through her. But if it's not that, that's completely irrelevant. The father keeps the money, that's irrelevant. You just go over to the girl, you say to the girl directly, hey, let's get married and you'll no longer be a slave. And she's like this, she goes in, then... then, then the marriage is actually being taken place through her, not through her father. Which, by the way, a couple things. This is the exception of how you could have a girl under bat mitzvah get married biblically, not through her dad, according to this possibility. Yeah? Does she have a choice? According to Rashi, yeah, she needs consent, according to Rashi. According to Tysus, no. But according to Rashi, we'll go through Rashi's shot. She has to consent, yes? What if, she consents if she has to consent, then. Um and that changes things according to because then it's not her father it's her no so the point is we're going to according to Tyson even if you say she has to consent it could be it's through the father it's just like Xeris Akasov. but that, that's the is that's the going to get to right now the point is I'm not sure about that case I don't know um, the point is like this we're saying right now that she has to consent why? So the Gemara says, this is a proof that the money is not really, it's not that the money for the marriage is from the time of the purchase, because that's going through through the father. If it's going through the father, what does she need to consent for? It must be the real way to understand it is that the Kedushan is taking place right now by you telling her, you're no longer a slave, with that how now marry me, and she says yes, so now it's a marriage through her, not through her dad. If it's through her, she needs to consent. And it would seem like, anyway, uh, that the, the father's totally out of the picture in this case. According to this possibility, correct. So the Gemara says... What's the reason why she needs you need her consent? It must be Aliba mm-hmm. It must be approved to mar to Bar Yhuda. Dam Ravyosy Amar who said Mos the Kedushin. Rav Yehuda's opinion is that the money of this of the purchase is not the money of Kedushin, but rather the Kadushin is taking place by right now saying Do you, the hana of no longer being a slave? So therefore it's, the dad is not involved at all. It's really the the master and the slave, straight up. So if that's the case... And by the way, then it's like basically any other marriage. The chiddush is she's under bat mitzvah. That's the only chiddush. But according to this, you need her consent because she's the one involved. Her dad's not involved at all. So so that's the proof. Okay, so it must be the only way to understand why you need her consent is because you're going through her directly. Rav Nachman says no. Rav Nachman Yitzchak says even if you believe... That the money that of the purchase is actually the money of the Kaddushin. And it's really going through the dad. So you'll say, well, if it's going through the dad, what do you need her consent for? The answer is, It's You're right. It, it, it wouldn't logically, uh, I wouldn't logically think you need her consent. But the Torah says you need her consent. So then, then according to this case, uh, then, I don't know if we go like this or not, but according to this case, uh, she's underage Does she does she have the out When, 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 she, when she becomes uh, No right, right. No It's a biblical marriage The point is that This will be a biblical marriage Through her Which is a tremendous marriage. So either it's through her And that's why you need her consent Or it's through her dad But it's because That you need her consent Fine The Gemara says What is this opinion Of Yeseba Yehuda Okay interesting You buy a slave for six hundred dollars, it's going to be confusing to me, but I, I don't know. Uh, you buy her for six hundred dollars for six years. Each year, she's she's working for you at $100 a hundred dollars a year. Today's learning is So six years for each year being a hundred dollars. So that's that's her that's her her wage. You you're working you're working you're working. It's the last twenty minutes before she's free. At that point, if you do the math, that last 20 minutes is worth less than a penny. It has, it has no specific value. You say to her at that point, hey, let's, let's do the yud thing. Let's get married. Let's get married. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't work. So here's the thing. It depends how you look at it. If the money is from the money of the purchase, that was $600. That's plenty of money. But if it's not like that, if it's just right now, you're saying, listen, forget about that. That money's gone. You're a slave. I'll let you no longer be a slave. And the benefit of you no longer being a slave, marry me with that. That benefit has no value when she's a slave for only 20 minutes. So says her of Yosef her Yehuda, she uh, shows b'yoyim k'deh The b'raisa says specifically, you could only marry her if there's still enough time that from the time from now until her end of her slavery, it has a pruta. It has to have a value. Why? So says Rabbi Yisrael Yehuda. This is the source. of Yisrael Yehuda built his opinion. Rabbi Yisrael used to say, "You see from this brisa that if you want to marry her, it has to be that from this point until she's free, there is a pruta worth of work. Because if it's less than a pruta, if it's less than a quarter, you can't marry her. Why? So it must be the explanation is." That the, the money is not from the original purchase. Because if the money is from the original purchase and it's going through the dad, he's got $600. That's plenty of money to get married. The answer is it must be, forget that. It's right up you and the kala, you and the slave. And you're freeing her. But if you're freeing her and she has 10 minutes left, well, what, what are you, you're you not giving her any benefit. That's how Rav Yaisi bar understood. The Gemara rejects it. The Gemara says, no. Rav Yaisi bar says, no. Reb says, Reb Nachman says, it could be really the money actually from the purchase is the money for the Kaddushin. So you'll say, wait a minute, if there's $600, then why can't I marry her with the last 10 minutes left? The answer is, the pasuk specifically says, it's a Xeris you could only marry her if there's still value left to her slavery. And by the way, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Let's say, after she's free, two days after she's free, you call her up, she's a free woman, she's no longer, you call her up, you're like, hey, we, we, we had some good times together. She's like, yeah, yeah. You're like, let's get married. She's like, yeah, sure. And you're like, the money from the sale will work. Does that work? Of course not. She's no longer a slave. What do you see? That there's an end point. So says her Yitzchak, it could be really the money from the sale is the money for kedushin. So why can't I do it the last 10 minutes? Because the Torah says that if there's less than a prutas value, then the consider, the sale is considered over and you can't do it anymore so it's not indicative of how Rav Yesi by Yehuda holds. Okay. The Gemara says like this, a couple more cases. Amar Rava, am Rav Nachman, Levita Katana. Now, how this works in Lamed? this is so tricky. Normally, a girl under bat mitzvah cannot get married on her own. She needs the dad to marry her off. Okay, because she's not old enough to make her own decisions. What if the father says to her, I give you permission, go marry somebody. Does it work? So I would say no. The father has to do it. You have to give the money to the father. She, she's too young. But says the Gemara, you see from this sugya of Yehud, that the, you see from Rebiasi by Yehuda, that she could actually marry someone if the dad gives consent. Why? Says the Gemara, a father is able to tell his daughter under Bar Mitzvah, you can go get married. I give you consent. I, uh, uh, I give you consent. You want to marry your boyfriend? That's fine. Go do it. And it works. Why? we learn now from Rav Yisrael Yehuda well, how so think about it Rav Yehuda how does he understand how Yehud works it's not that the money of the purchase is the money for Kedushin but rather the girl the slave girl who's under Bat Mitzvah is marrying the guy straight up without the dad being involved what do you see? The father is allowed to remove himself, like the Torah sort of removes the father. So you see that it's possible to have kedushin for a girl under bat mitzvah without the father involved. That's how basically Iod is working. So says the Gemara. You can apply that to other kedushins. Meaning, we don't say that it's exeris hakasse fully. If that's how it works, then why can't it work by every other marriage? As long as the dad gives consent, you don't have to go through from it. It's fine. It's again, it's a tremendous chiddush. But that's what the Gemara says. Secondly. Okay, a little more tricky. Um, Here's the deal. A guy lends a girl $1,000. Okay, so he gives her a $1,000 check. And she's like, I'll pay you back. And he's like, how do you know? So she gives him a a watch. Okay, so he's got collateral. He's got the watch as collateral. She owes him $1,000. He goes over to the girl a week later and he's like, listen, you don't have to pay me back. Forget it. Just with the benefit of you no longer having to pay me, let's get married. The halacha is it works. Now the chiddush of that is it works even though I'm still holding the collateral, it still works because I was I, I the benefit that she no longer has to pay me. That's a benefit, right? Would you pay? So what? The collateral doesn't matter. Again, you have to give it back. I'll have to give it back. But the point is, she still had a loan that she had to pay. I'm forgiving the loan. The benefit that she no longer has to pay—that works, right? But that collateral it has to, to be. Yeah, fine, do. fine. But my point is, it still works. What is his source that this works? He so says, what, I'm sorry. But what does the collateral have to do with this? It just it's just stop. It's it's an added chiddush, that even if there's a collateral, it's still it's still considered um, forgiving of the loan. Now, where does he see this from? That basically, in such a scenario, that you could forgive a loan and get married with that benefit, even if there's a collateral being transferred. Um, I'll prove it to you. What's the source? Go to the next page. I think it's in it's in the. If you need the tefillin, I think it's in the the bima. Lift it up. So the gemara says like this. What's the source that mechilas when there's a mashkin is considered a Kadushin? You learn now from a Sibar Yehuda. How so? Think about where I say about Yehuda said, okay? I buy a slave for $10,000. I give the dad $10,000, she's my slave now for six years. That money is not part of the condition yeah? How does the condition work? I go over to her after a year, and I say, listen, I'm going to forgive. Don't don't You don't have to work for me anymore. The benefit that you don't have to work for me anymore. Marry me. And she's like, yeah, and it works. Okay, How do you look at money that's given for a slave? It's really a loan, if you think about it. Because think about it. Let's say I, I, your salary is really a loan, right? It, uh, not, not, salary is a little bit not a great example, but let's say a slave. I give her $10,000 right, for, to, to purchase a slave. If you work for me, then it's a transaction. If you choose not to work for me, then what happens? It's a loan and you got to pay me back, right? right? If you give a slave $10,000 and he refuses to show up, then what happens? He has to get back, pay back the money. So what does that turn into? It turns into a loan. This has major ramifications for the laws of interest. We look at it as a transaction that doesn't end up working as a loan. How would they expect a the slave to pay the master back? Okay, that's a different story. I, that's why the slave should be working. <laughs> but my point is, if the slave doesn't end up working, then you look at the transaction as a loan, okay, okay. and then he's just giving back the money. There's an individual who $10,000. Yeah yeah he doesn't work they give the master has to give ten thousand dollars to purchase him right so he gives the slave ten thousand dollars so the slave now has ten thousand dollars if the slave never shows up what does he have to do he's got to give the ten thousand dollars back so it turns out that that ten thousand dollars if you don't end up fulfilling the full job is a loan now here's the deal so that slave woman is given ten thousand dollars yeah he says to her so it's she doesn't end up doing full six years because he ends up marrying her, which turns it into a loan. He basically says to her, listen, you don't have to pay me back. I forgive the loan. By his freeing her, he's basically saying, I'm forgiving the loan. And let's get married with that forgiveness. And it works. Even though she's the collateral. If you think of a, a slave, it's a loan and she's the collateral. And yet, forgiving the loan works. So you see from Revi Yosei that forgiving a loan Even if there's a collateral, it still works because that's in essence what every slave is. It's payment for a a service. If you don't do the service, it's a loan. She is the collateral right like how do you know you're going to get your money back cuz i got the slave right she is the collateral and then when you tell her you no longer have to work for me i'm forgiving the loan you're forgiving a loan even when there's a collateral and it, and it works that's what basically youd is a quintervius you see if yiud is the original money is the condition then it's not a loan at all but if you look at it as that money is that money was a loan i'm forgiving this loan that's the marriage then do you see that forgiving of a loan works so what as- constitutes to- the person as a slave, if he's technically getting paid up front for his service, the fact that he has to work for you, right? I'm saying that's the point. The fact that you have to work, you're right, but that's it's not uh, all, all, all transactions at some point can be boiled down to loans. This comes up a lot in Bab We'll get to it. Let's go back to it. The Gemara says, ladies, turn Yud. how does Yud work? So, how does Yud work? how does Yud work? The Tanakhama says like this. I mentioned this before. This the shaila of Rav by Yehuda again of how does he work? Is it that the original money is payment, or is it no? Right now I'm, I'm releasing you, and that benefit I get married. What's the difference? One difference is does it work retroactively? A second difference is can I do it the last minute? Right, The movie, like it's ticking down 10, 9, 8, and then you do yid, the last two seconds, does it work? Accord if you hold that the original money is payment, so yeah, the original money is still there. But if you say that it's releasing them from being a slave is the value, the last 10 seconds, it doesn't do anything. This first opinion says you could do yid, the last moments, because he looks at it as the original payment. The original payment is, is is considered the marriage, and it's retroactive from that point, so I don't care when it takes place. Rav disagrees. He says, no, it's not the original money is the payment, it's right now. He says, therefore, See, so he says, no, it's not retroactive, it's from right now. And therefore, it only works if you release the slave when there's still time left for them to work to make a value of a pruta. So what's the machloikis about? Again, is the money going back from the time of the purchase and it's retroactive, or is it right now? So the Gemara says, I'll give you a mashal for one of these opinions. Again, the Tanakhama says it's retroactive, Rav says it's right now. So the Gemara says, I'll give you a mashal. What is the mushal? What's the parable? What's the halacha? You go over to a girl, you give her $100, and you say... From right now, we're going to be married in 30 days. What I mean is, in 30 days, we're retroactively married from right now. Okay? So you give her right now, and then you say after 30 days, it's going to go retroactive from this point. Ten days later, she gets married to someone else. Who is she married to? What's the halacha? The first guy. Because retroactively, he was first. Okay. That's the proof. So our sugi is also retroactive. Who is this a mushal for? So the Gemara says, mashal man. Who is this Moshel for? That's saying that so too yield is retroactive. it can be Rav the Ham Yehishas Beyom Gilasim Moshel Lo who Yehuda feels that it's not retroactive. So this whole story about retroactive obviously must be the Rabbanon. Amar Ravach <muching> Moshel Rabbanon. Okay. So the Rabbanon feel that yield is retroactive from the time of the purchase. So also this example is also retroactive. So the Gemara says Pshita. Okay, so you're just telling me another case of retroactive kedushin. What do you need this for? So the Gemara says the You might think Haloy You might think that by Yud it works retroactive. Think about it. By a regular marriage, for it to be retroactive, you need one word. There's one key word, and that is from now. That's always the retroactive lingo. The Chiddush is, every time you do Yiyud, according to the Rabbanon, it's retroactive also, even though there's no reference to the word Meachshav. So maybe you could learn from Yiyud that you don't have to say the word Meachshav for it to be retroactive. Kamash no. Yiyud is retroactive without the term Meachshav. Other Kedushins are only retroactive when you say the word Meachshav. Okay. The Gemara says, another b'raisa. A few more minutes, and we'll be done. Ta'ni yidach, another b'raisa. Ha'maichar is bitoy. Now, you sell, your, you sell your daughter to a slave. Okay. Now here's the deal. Another, similar to the question of whether Yid is retroactive. You sell her as a slave January 1st. You want to do Yid May. You think May is a nice time to do it, fine. But March, a few months before that, she marries someone else. As a slave, she marries someone else. And then you show up in May and you're like, I'd like to do Yid. So the question is, who is she married to? it's the same thing if Yehud is retroactive from the time of the purchase then she's retroactively married to me and not that guy in March but if Yehud is from now she's already a married woman so the Gemara says it's a machlogas the same machlogas she played with the master she's messing with him over and, and she's married to the second guy because he looks at Yehud not retroactive from right now and by now she's already married Chum say no, they look at Yiud as retroactive. And therefore, when you do Yiud, it sort of bumps that second guy because it's retroactive. Well, you're married from the time of the purchase. So you're the husband. Okay, so it's the same Shailov, whether it's retroactive, the Gemara says another mushul. I'll give another mashal where it's not retroactive. You tell a woman, I'm going to marry you after 30 days, but you don't say So You just say, I'm going to marry you after 30 days. Then during the 30 days, someone else marries her during the 30 days. Who is she married to? She is married to the second guy because the guy did not make it retroactive. This is an example of Kedusha not retroactive. So how is that related to yud? So we said there were two opinions by Yehud. One opinion says retroactive, one opinion says not retroactive. We bring a of an example of not being retroactive as well. So the Gemara says mashal aman. who is this mushal for? It can't be the rabbis because they say it's retroactive. This is a mushal of not retroactive. It's a, this mushal works with Rav Yaseh Yehuda because this too is being is uh, Rav Yosef Be'yuda feels it's not retroactive, and this is also an example of not being retroactive. The Gemara is pshita, it's posh it, yeah, it's just an example of not retroactive. The Chiddush is that Rav Yosef Be'yuda looks at every year as not retroactive, but over here where you said after 30 days, maybe that's a terminology of being retroactive, Kamash no, you didn't say me so it's not Limafreya. Okay, one last little sugya. Tanya idach. Another Bryce. Here's the deal. You sell your daughter as a slave, but you make a condition that they cannot marry her. Yiud, which is the master marrying the daughter, you make a condition with the master, you cannot marry her. Yiud is off the table. So I will sell her as a slave, but that's it. I, we're keeping this relationship professional. I am not giving you the rights to Yiud. So the question is does that work? Does it work? So the Gemara says, Ram Meir says, Yeah, it works. Why not? You can make a stipulation. That was a stipulation he made, so it works. The Cham say, No. The say, It doesn't work. Meaning, she is a slave and you can marry her. Why? Because it's her good signs, no. no, it's because there's a rule. You cannot make a condition against the Torah. The Torah says you can marry her. I can't make a condition that goes against the Torah, right? Like, I can't make a condition with you that you have to eat pork. I can't do that. The condition doesn't work. A condition that's against the Torah does not stand. So I sold her to you with a condition. The condition is you can't marry her. But the Torah says you can, because the Torah says the Iyud is a thing. So you're overriding the Torah. You lose. Torah wins. Therefore, sale is good. Condition falls away. That's called masna, mashakas Torah. If you make a stipulation against the Torah, the stipulation, poof. It vanishes. That's that's the point of the rabbanon. Makes a lot of sense. Here's the question: Why does Rav Meir disagree with this? Rav Meir says you could sell her and make a condition. She's not. Uh, she's not going to marry her. Uh, everyone agrees you cannot make a condition against the Torah. That's a universally. It's a universally accepted view. Especially Rav Meir himself agrees with this. So the Gemara says, wait a minute you could make a stipulation against the Torah, but that's not true about Tanya, the Bryson says the Gemara says the Gemara says like this, If can you make a stipulation, uh, you, you marry a woman right? one of the, one of the uh, responsibilities of the husband is to supply her with, with clothing with food, right? you have to supply your wife with clothing, food one of the obligations you can't just say i'm not feeding you right let's say i want to marry her and i make a stipulation i'm not giving you any food does it work Rameir says no because you're making a stipulation against the torah so Rameir over there feels no but over here feels it is okay we'll get to it in a second ravi Hud actually feels it's fine by kaddushin he says Hashem, Mom, you can make stipulations against the torah if it's monetary But that's not for now why the point is let's analyze Rame. By Rehmeyer, says by the marriage it doesn't work. Why? Because you can't stipulate against the Torah. But he feels that you could sell a slave and stipulate that you can't marry her. I thought that's also against the Torah. So both cases are masna mashakasa b'torah. How come by the, by the slave it's tanoi kayim, but by Kedushan it's tanoi batal? So the Gemara answer, you know what it is? The Gemara says, The answer is the Pasuk describes her as an oma, which means a professional slave. Rameir looks at it as the Torah itself acknowledges that you could sometimes sell her just as a slave and not as a wife. Meaning, Amma is a reference to a professional slave. The fact that the Torah calls her an Amma means you are allowed to sell her just as a slave, not as a potential wife. So therefore it's not going against the Torah because the Torah itself allows such an arrangement. Now let's just end off with this. What do the rabbonon do with laama, which implies a professional arrangement and not wife? The Gemara says they use it for the following Laama, the puzzle says you sell her as a slave. You're allowed to sell her to someone she's not allowed to marry. puzzle Now, this is not This is a lav, meaning you're selling her to a mamzer. Okay. Wait. Wait a minute. She's not allowed to marry a mamzer, but still you're allowed to sell her. This is an example where you're selling her, even though yiud is technically not is not a real practical option, You're still the sale is valid. Why? Because even if you choose to marry her, the Kedushan is tofus, right? If a person cho- chooses to marry a mamzer, it's against the Torah, but it works. So because the Kedushan is tofus, while the Torah does not want you to marry, a, uh, to do yiud, but the sale is valid. You're allowed to sell her to a haivelavan, to someone that you're biblically prohibited from, even if the, it means that you it is practically not an option. Still, why? Because the toast is La'ama The Pasuk says you sell her as a slave. Sometimes the practical arrangement is that she's not gonna do yid. They'll just see it inside. Laama Palm Shane Moh Laama Buvad Rabban Lama By look at the tiny, La'ama Malam This Pasuk tells you you're you allowed to sell her to someone that's prohibited by the Torah law. Dinhu, and the question the truth is I have a kavachomer. Im Mekaj Lubsul and Layim Karenal. If kedushin is tofis on Chaivilavan, can't I for sure sell her to Khaivilavan, which is only a concern? And she might come to marry. another The Gemara says the difference is over here. You can only sell her under bat mitzvah as opposed to kedushin being taivis above bat mitzvah. Therefore, I need a source to tell me that I could sell her to a chayvilavin. Tamalermelama So this source, this is the source that you're able to sell her to a so chayvilavin. That so that's what he uses lama for. So the rabbanit uses lama that you're allowed to sell it to chayvilavin, even though practically yud is not going to take place because even if you choose to do yid, kedushin is typhus. All right, we'll stop here and we'll pick it up tomorrow, a Hashem. Just gotta, I got some time to I do, I do the tables.